Well, I'm joined today by Mark Sanborn. He's not only uh, a longtime speaker buddy, but I've admired this guy from a distance. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Mark, but you're an early hero of mine. You've been in the business forever, yeah? <laughs> yeah, forever and then some. And I'm so excited that you've got a new book out. I've had a chance to read it. We're going to talk a little bit about the potential principle today. Um, I know that you've written about eight books now in one way or another. How do you choose a title for the eighth book? You know, the title in some ways is the hardest part because you want to choose a title that truly reflects the book, but you also have to choose a title that gets people to want to read the book. Oh, yeah. You know, we've all been disappointed by picking up a book that the title looked terrific, and then we got 10 pages in, and we're like, wait a minute, this doesn't have a whole lot to do with that. But really, this book came out of a speech I've been doing for corporate clients for at least three years, maybe longer, called How the Best Get Better. Now, Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach from Canada, he wrote a little book called How the Best Get Better, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And even though you can't trademark a book title, I just think it's not really a good idea nor fair play to use a pre-existing title. So we, we decided to call it the potential principle because the potential principle is simple. You know, we all know how good we've become, but none of us know how good we could be. So yeah. I wanted to write a book for people that uh, not just are committed to getting better, but I really wrote a book for people who are already pretty good because most of my clients, you know, like yours, are, are clients that are already successful. You know, the people that need to hear the sermon most often don't go to church. And the people that, that most could benefit from a book or a consultant or a speaker or a coach, they often don't make the investment. So I really wrote this with my clients in mind. You know, you uh, quote a number of uh, brilliant people in the book, including Eric Hoffer. I happen to be rereading uh, The True Believer. And Hoffer says exactly that. He says, you know, the, the people who have potential are the ones that are interested in potential. A lot of the disenfranchised, people who have never really had uh, life success, are less likely to be interested in this concept. By the way, the exact title for everybody watching, A Proven System for Closing the Gap Between How Good You Are and How Good You Want to Be. And you play off of this concept throughout the book, the best to better. And one of the early uh, comments you made was about the fact that we're either progressing or regressing, this idea of uh, going forward or backward, growing or dying. Um, it's true, isn't it, that, that we're in forward motion or we're not? Well, the reason I say that is because the world's not static. You know, your, your competition, they get better, your customers demand more. The world changes. So when somebody says, well, I'm maintaining, you know, relative to the rest of the movement in the world, they're actually regressing. Mm -hmm. To a degree, you have to put a fair amount of effort in just to keep up, much less to get ahead. And, you know, some people are very discouraged by that. I think it's fun. I think it's what makes life interesting. Uh, you know, in the book, uh, I talk about the importance of resistance. I was doing a webinar and my friend Pat Masu from uh, Canada said, you know, I pay my personal trainer to create resistance. And she's right, in uh, exercise, resistance is what grows muscle and strength. So if you go through life always looking for that path of least resistance, and I know that sounds, you know, it's a colloquialism because we, in some things, we don't want to work harder than we need to. But by and large, it's through challenge that you grow. It's through resistance that you get stronger. So I always tell leaders, you know, take the path of some resistance, and if things are going really easy, you're probably not growing. The, uh, the old phrase is the path of least resistance. Your, your new take on that is the path of some resistance. I love it. You also mentioned one of the, uh, you've got a lot of snappy formulas in here. In, in addition to the actual potential matrix, which I enjoyed, there's an acronym FIT, frequency, intensity, and technique. 
you talk about exercise and how uh, a trainer would create resistance for you to lift against. Uh, you know, everybody's wearing these Fitbits these days, and the, the magic number for most people is 10,000 steps. But I always remind people it's, it's not just the number 10,000. It's are you doing all 10,000 in the same walk? Are you doing 100 steps to the refrigerator and then coming back to the couch, you know? You're part of Dairy Queen, right? That's right. You're, walk, you're so, walking a mile and a half to Dairy Queen to get the, the frozen treat. So I think it's really helpful when a guy like you breaks down potential and, and talks about what's really uh, possible. I love, too, this idea of, of comparison because it's almost impossible these days not to compare yourself to other companies, in our case, other speakers. And yet we're unfair to ourselves sometimes. People come from different backgrounds. They have, some people have a lot of money to work with. Some people are in a geographically desirable location. We really should compare ourselves to ourselves. And, and you call it our better selves. I love it. Uh, you've been doing this for a while personally as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. The book, the book is born out of my, not just my work with clients, but what, what I do. For instance, you mentioned fit, you know, frequency, intensity, intensity and technique. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a pretty committed exercise guy, you know, I'm not a buff guy or anything, but I just, you know, I'm at the age where exercise is necessary to, to just maintain, you know, muscle mass and health. Right. And I go to the gym and it's crazy to me, the people that I see basically fooling themselves. And let me just qualify this by saying it's America. You can be delusional. That's a freedom of choice that we all get, but you'll see people doing things on equipment that actually isn't only not benefiting them, but could cause serious injury but they, they're trying to look like they're lifting heavy weights or they're trying to look like they're having an intense workout. And uh, I, that's why I say that, you know, frequency is part of it and intensity is part of it. But no matter how frequently or intense you're doing something, if you're doing it wrong, mm. it's going to hurt you or at the very least, it's not going to help you. Yeah. And so, you know, going to that idea of comparison, um, certainly there are times we need to benchmark against our competition the problem is, is when we lose our uniqueness and authenticity, mm. you know, we've all been on programs where there was, I'm not a, you know, I'm a, I'm a corporate keynoter and I'm moderately funny, but I'm not a humorist by any stretch of the imagination. And the worst thing you can do is be on a program with a humorist who's just killing it and then try to go out and be funny like he or she was. Yeah. Now you're playing outside of your area of expertise and you're setting yourself up. You know, I'm not a golfer, but if I, if I saw a really good golfer, uh, on the course, I wouldn't ask to join, uh, you know, the, the, the foursome because I'd look even worse compared to that really good golfer. So you got to play your own game. And we get sucked into that trap of uh, playing somebody else's game. And it, it's counterintuitive sometimes, but you always ultimately do better when you innovate rather than just imitate. I'm with you. Let's stay on this uh, exercise balancing for a minute. I like it. The potential matrix itself, uh, and it's laid out very nicely in the book, is four quadrants, mm -hmm. thinking, performing, reflecting, and learning. And you mentioned not uh, taking care not to linger in your quadrant of greatest comfort. Right. Uh, so staying with exercise for just a minute, exercise, resistance, by their very nature, are uncomfortable. And right. this idea then of achieving our greatest potential is not in and of itself, a comfortable experience. It's by nature, by design, going to be, it's going to hurt a little, isn't it, Mark? It is. That's a great insight. You know, it's, it's uh, we overrate comfort, and certainly there are times when, you know, you want to be comfortable. But again, you don't grow. I was 
say the only thing that gets better accidentally with age is wine. You know, the rest of us. <laughs> I'm fortunate. I've gotten to know a fair number of seals. My, my sons and I like to shoot and um, we go to a range and are friends with a, a gun shop owner who uh, brings in outside experts to train. And that's one of the things that is the very essence of seal training is uh, creating a lot of discomfort so that when you are in a situation, not of your choosing, it won't shut you down because of the extremities, uh, the, the extreme uh, conditions, whether that's, you know, uh, battle or temperature or fatigue or whatever it is. They, you know, I just read an interesting story about a, a Navy SEAL um, who was training on the beach of Coronado. And one of the punishments, if you will, if you didn't do a good job, or is you became a sugar cookie. They made you jump in the ocean, get wet, and then roll in the sand. Now, that's uncomfortable, but then you couldn't rinse the sand off till the end of the day. So you oh. were all day like a sugar cookie. And just think about when you've had sand in your, in your sandals, what that feels like. And one day, this guy hadn't done anything wrong, and his commander said, you know, become a sugar cookie. And he said to him, that's not fair. Why did you have me do that? I didn't do anything wrong. He said, just needed to remind you, life's not fair. <laughs> you know, isn't that true, though? You know, we, we always think that, Things only happen when we deserve them or uh, no, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And by being a sugar cookie, I love that, that metaphor, by being a sugar cookie sometimes, it's just a way to toughen us up against the harsh realities of an unfair world. Uh, you know, we're not, most of us are never going to be Navy SEALs, but we can learn from the same principles that they use to develop mental and physical toughness. Yeah, love the, love the story. Uh, discomfort is actually good for you. Uh, and it's part of becoming a better person. Life is not fair. fair uh, unfairness is uncomfortable. Absolutely true. Um, so we're also talking about things like disruption. Yes. Uh, you mentioned it many times in the book that, that um, we can, and I love this, you said we can use our own mistakes as a disruption. In other words, and I, and I think, and I'll let you explain this in your own words, but it's, it's this idea that the mistake wouldn't, you wouldn't just play over it automatically without reflecting on it, without trying to learn from it. Is that what you mean when you say use mistakes to disrupt yourself? Yeah, mistakes are useless if you can't extract a lesson from them. And yeah. a lot of times, you know, we just, we, we go through the negative emotion, but we don't go through the intellectual effort of figuring out, so what's that telling me? Yeah. Uh, mistakes disrupt us, but, but we, it, that's a negative disruption, obviously, but we turn it into a positive disruption when we let that mistake teach us. Sure. And I always tell people, you know, look for the, le not, not all mistakes have lessons. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're so obvious, you know, I probably should have looked more closely before I turn left and had a fender bender. But in life, uh, we, we tend to, um, you know, everybody says fail forward faster. Well, that really assumes that you're learning from your failures. You just can't blindly fail. It's easy to make mistakes and keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. And, you know, like I say, you know, life puts you in courses you wouldn't volunteer for, but you got a choice. You either learn or you languish in the course, right? You either graduate having learned something or you stay in the, in the course and, and you suffer. That's exactly right. Uh, Mark, I, I, I'm going to tell everybody about your website. It's MarkSanborn.com. I assume people can buy the book in other places. Would you rather have them come to the site? Are there good reasons to come to the site? Well, right at the moment, the, the standalone site is PotentialPrinciple.com. PotentialPrinciple.com. Okay. Great. Uh, there's, uh, there's some interesting things there. We're going to migrate that over to MarkSanborn.com. But for right now, PotentialPrinciple.com, best place for the book. And then just MarkSanborn.com if, if you want to uh, 
see what I write about and uh, my blogs and my videos and all of the material that I produce to help uh, leaders turn ordinary into extraordinary. Fabulous. Uh, I want to close with a couple of questions about, um, well, you mentioned traffic a minute ago and, and we were talking about making mistakes. Uh, I don't get speeding tickets very often anymore because I learned the number one way not to get a speeding ticket. Not to speed. That's exactly right. It took me <laughs> 45 years to figure that out. But if you don't speed, you don't get a ticket. But I remember getting tickets and thinking, this is, a, this is an aha for me. This is, this is a warning that I've been going too fast. And oh my gosh, if I keep doing this, I'm not just going to get tickets. I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to damage my car. I'm going to get hurt myself. And I remember that there's a pattern to the thinking right after you get the ticket. You watch your speed for a, a little while, right? And if, if you're able to break the habit, you watch your speed forever. But if you're not able to break the habit, you just break it, you just break it until the next speeding ticket. What we want people to do is change their potential forever. And you've got some really nice systems in place for this. Toward the end of the book, you mentioned your take on multitasking. It's based on the research of many people, including uh, Nancy Napier, PhD, who mentions that multitasking is, is not a borderline thing in your mind. It's, it's negative. And yeah. you talk about something called attention residue. It's the first time I'd ever heard that term. Can you talk a little bit about why multitasking, as we try to become better, is not necessarily good for us? Well, multitasking is one of those things that feels right but isn't really working. It's, it's simply task switching. By moving quickly between tasks, we think we're getting more done. But what we're doing is we're actually slowing ourselves down because our attention uh, that we have for one task is residue in the next task, and then we lose the important residue from the first task as we switch to a third task. The key here is to make sure that you focus on one thing intently, and when you decide to do something else, switch to that task. But don't delusion yourself into thinking you're multitasking. You know, the research shows that multitasking can, in some instances, create the same effect as if you were DUI. Now, certainly, I'm not talking about multitasking in your car, but simply that you had been drinking, and it creates that lack of focus that is, uh, has the same similar outcome as someone who's been imbibing alcohol. Yeah. I, I'm just uh, a huge, and, I, and I, re I recommend a lot of books, not just my own, but there's a guy named Cal Newport who wrote a book that I love called Deep Work. And if somebody said, well, Mark, I want to go, I really want to get into that principle of not multitasking and truly intently focusing, that's the book I'd recommend, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Thank you very much. Noted. Well, um, I want to tell everybody, uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing you speak many times. You are the most professional speaker I've ever seen. You're so studied and you're like a classic speaker. You're like the old, uh, old school Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar guys. And I really enjoy that because too many... Guys get up now, gals, and they're so casual about how they do their thing. Um, it's appealing, I suppose, on a superficial level, but we're missing some of the mechanics. And, and you are just the master of mechanics, and I, I always enjoy your work. Enjoy let, your let me interject. I want to tell you something real quick, Michael. You, you know, I, I've read your work and, and heard you, and you said something. I think it was in a, a newsletter or a blog that was so simple and so powerful. You said, smile your way into a room. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm kind of an intense, I'm not, I'm really not intense. I'm just introspective. I'm a borderline introvert. And so often I would go into a room without consciously thinking about my appearance. And yeah. I was just in the room. But to the people, it was like, who's that guy over there that looks lost or looks intently in thought or doubt or whatever. And that idea of uh, before you go into a room, I do it on elevators. <laughs> you, know, you know, the elevator opens and you're smiling instead of standing there like a like an axe murderer might look. Sure, sure. 
So that's one of many things, but I just wanted to point out little ideas have big impact. And so I appreciate your work and your kind words. My pleasure. Elevator being, of course, the, one of the smallest rooms ever. Yeah, <laughs> very small. So the, uh, we know many people are going to read this, uh, see this video after the book launch is officially done. So the evergreen uh, advice is to go to MarkSanborn.com. But if you see the video right away, it's uh, PotentialPrincipal.com. PotentialPrincipal.com. Plural. PotentialPrincipalSingular.com. Singular.com. No, just PotentialPrincipal.com. Pleasure. As always, Mark, it's great to see you. We'll see you on the speaking circuit. And keep up the good work, man. You keep the bar high for the rest of us. Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure.